Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Remembering Takeoff, the Migos group member shot and killed in Houston. Hip-hop fans devastated. Tonight, we remember his all-too-short legacy. I don't even want to hear um, the comments. We cut through the noise behind the yay, George Floyd fallout, and a family reliving the pain. Our candid conversation. Just please stop. Then, the intersection between hip-hop social justice and the movement. What is the culture's responsibility? Then later, we explore the path to bridge the divide. We didn't just start speaking on it because Ye started coming out with these comments. And we stay on top of hip-hop on trial. As protective legislation becomes more of a reality, can rap lyrics keep the artists out of the legal process? And I'm Kennedy Rue. The stars of Black Panther spill all the tea about the sequel. Plus, Ebony celebrates its power 100, and we are there for a night of Black excellence. All of that tonight as... The Black News Revolution starts right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Teslin Figaro. We begin with tonight's top story from our entertainment correspondent, Kennedy Rue. Teslin, the hip-hop world is still in shock over the death of Migos group member Takeoff, who was shot and killed in Houston earlier this week. Now the culture is celebrating his life and his talent. It's time to pop it, you know what I mean? I mean, it's time to give me my flowers, you know what I mean? Yes. I don't want them later on when I ain't here. Damn you know what I mean? I want them right now, so... An eerie foreshadowing for takeoff just last week on an appearance on Drink Champs. But in life, takeoff was on the verge of what many believed to be his breakout performance. I felt like it was like, like it was always your time. It was your time to prove it. Is that something you had in your mind when you was going in recording? Oh, for sure. The trio recently became a duo, and just on Monday, takeoff and Quavo released their debut project, Unk and Few. Don't let that bro be a chin, cause she too messy. The video for Messi dropped shortly before he was shot and has racked up close to 2 million views. To some, he was the lesser known member of the group, but to many, anytime Takeoff put his touch on the tracks, it literally took off. A million, twenties, and fifties, and hundreds, and on the floor, look how I'm swimming in. Takeoff was a quiet, humble artist, but at the same time, when it came to delivering on songs, he often stood out. And a lot of times he didn't get credit because he wasn't really bolsterous and he really didn't brag. And he wasn't the type of person that just registered screen time. But when it came to actually putting him in the work musically, he did his thing. Takeoff's own words on Twitter summed him up best. The Grammy nominated, some say underrated, and now we can definitely say celebrated. Takeoff was just 28 years old. Rest in peace. Switching gears to another story with the social justice fallout and Ye's comments about George Floyd's death. Tonight, in a Revolt Black News exclusive, we hear from a member of the Floyd family. Last time he came here, he said, cancel me. They did not cancel. They could not cancel. What seemed impossible for Ye just a few weeks ago has now become his reality. I could literally say anti-Semitic and they can't drop me. I could say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Adidas did indeed drop Ye 
and the list is growing. But it was the comments Ye made about George Floyd that upset the rapper's black fan base the most. They hit him with the fentanyl. If you look, the, the guy's knee wasn't even on his neck. I hope George, George Floyd's family goes after him for defamation of character. We have got to cancel him. And I know we do not try to be in a cancel culture, but we've got to hit him in his pockets now because he obviously does not care about the African-American culture. Revolt Black News spoke to civil rights attorney Lee Merritt, who told us the Floyd family was yep, determined to hold Ye accountable for his comments, right. including this cease and desist. In true Ye fashion, he responded to the backlash. Black people are like, okay, but you never apologized to us about the George Floyd comment that made us feel bad. So when I said that, and I and I and I questioned the death of George Floyd, it hurt my people. It hurt the black people. So I want to apologize to hurting them because right now God has shown me by what Adidas is doing and by what by what the media is doing, I know how it feels to have a knee on my neck now. Tonight, Revolt Black News speaks with the family of George Floyd in an exclusive interview. Joining us for more on the conversation, Tara Brown, George Floyd's first cousin, who's speaking to Revolt Black News for the very first time since Ye's comments. Tara, thank you so much for joining Revolt Black News Weekly. First of all, Tara, let me say to you what I have said the last two years. I send my condolences to you and your family for the loss of your cousin. It is unfortunate that we have to relive this trauma all over again due to Ye's recent comments. So I wanted to have you on to be able to speak as his first cousin, as someone that shared a home with him and actually knowing who George Floyd is. This conversation has been lost uh, in all of the rhetoric that's happening on social media. Tara, you saw your cousin be murdered in the streets, just as all America has saw before our eyes. And Ye made a comment that says that he now knows what it feels like to have a knee on his neck. He was comparing his financial distress to the murder of your cousin. Tara, can you talk to us a moment about how painful this has been from a family perspective to now have to relive this trauma all over again in the public? Um, it to, I mean, the only word I can think of is, it's just disheartening uh, to hear um, him say something like that because um, to compare the financial, you know, situation to the loss of, of you know, George's life is, it's just hard to hear that uh, for, for family members who loved him and, you know, had to see the way that he was murdered. It's just hard to hear somebody compare because he's still alive. And I understand, um, you know, that he must be feeling something. But at this point, it's all about, I mean, it's hard for us to even look at TV or social media because, honestly, I don't even want to hear um, the comments and things that are, are being said. It's just, you know, it's heartbreaking. We're just having to relive um, the pain of, of, you know, losing him. And then, you know, it was proven in a court of law that he was murdered. So it's just, you know, it's hard to hear um, someone who is still alive comparing, um, you know, making that kind of comparison. Tara, 
Ye has continued to make comments online, in social media. Folks have chimed in on that, but you actually know who George Floyd was and still is to you. What would be your message to Ye on moving forward? Um, the message would be just to just please stop. Um, because everything that's happening right now is just like reopening the wounds of, of losing George. And um, it's traumatizing for the family. It's traumatizing, especially for um, his daughter, Gianna, I'm sure. So, I mean, every time we have to, you know, look on social media or hear the stories, it is just, you know, it's heart-wrenching. We have to relive this, you know, this death over and over and over again. And we've already gone through a trial where we had to experience that. We're still trying to heal from those things. It's hard to do. So to just be, the simple thing is to just, just stop. Well, you've heard it here, Yay. The family is pleading with you to stop re-traumatizing this family who has already been through more than enough. Tara, I want to thank you for sharing your story exclusively here on Revolt Black News on behalf of your family, on behalf of your first cousin, George Floyd. We send our condolences again to you. We pray for continued healing. Stay with us. There will be more Revolt Black News Weekly after the break. Welcome back. We are continuing our conversation about hip-hop's responsibility on social media and how do we pick up the pieces within the movement considering all of the back and forth since Ye's public comments. Here to join me for a virtual discussion about the intersection of hip-hop and politics is my son, the general. Can you talk to us a moment about how important it is that movement leaders work together to move forward to pick up the pieces? We've been on the front line with these families, supporting them, hearing the tears, hearing the cries, having to pick up those pieces, as you say, every time there is a non-conviction or there's some bad news, we have to deal with that reality. And we've been dealing with it for the last two and three years. So when Ye decides that because of his personal issues, that he's going to utilize his platform to down talk and degrade a man who lost his life on camera, then double down on that by going at the family members. It's just, it's disgusting. And, and if we don't say something, if we, especially people like me and yourself, we're not the people saying something, then nobody will. I think it's incredibly irresponsible to utilize your platform, to utilize your voice, to diminish the reality of a death of a man that we've seen on camera, diminish a black man who lost his life at the hands of police. It is so, so, so disgusting that you would utilize your platform to do that. And the, and the fact that you have this platform and you have this voice and you have people who actually listen to you and they join on this brigade of misinformation. And then you, you go at the family and you go at the mother who is taking care of this man's daughter. Like we have to pick up these pieces when this is all said and done and the publicity goes and the shock 
valued online goes away. We have to sit down with these families. We're still trying to get justice in different ways. We're still fighting for Breonna Taylor. We're still fighting for different things. So when you try to diminish a movement of people who've been on this front line because you have personal issues in your home, it's not okay with us. And it's not okay with me. And I'm always going to speak truth to power because I'm always going to make sure that the people who are marginalized, the people who are losing their lives and the people who don't have voices are going to be spoken up for. So because Jay is a billionaire and he has this platform, people are going to follow that. I don't follow the trends. George Floyd's name should have never came out your mouth. And when you double down and speak about it, the mother of his children, it's even more. So every time that you speak, I'm going to speak because we understand that we have to pick up these pieces. I appreciate how you have been having these conversations on Instagram, trying to get a lot of our sisters and brothers to understand they can pick and choose what they think Ye is talking about and the importance of that, but who will fight for us? Do you feel that there is enough support that is speaking out on how critical this conversation is in regards to the White Lives Matter and in regards to how we still need uh, the conversation centered on why black lives are so important. You know, willful ignorance is dangerous. You know, I've been talking out against the behavior of Ye since he was Kanye five and six years ago, when he first started out with slavery was a choice. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. <laughs> when he decided that he was going to go out and wear the MAGA hat, when he decided that he was going to wear the Confederate flag, when he said that Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves, when he did all of these things, I've been speaking out. I've been saying, I actually quote, was quoted on Instagram by saying, Kanye West might be the most dangerous black man in the world because he has this platform and because people have exalted him to some level of leadership that I don't believe that he's earned for me. Kanye West is not my leader. Kanye West does not represent me. He does not speak to me. When you started trying to discredit the movement that we've been on the front line for, when you utilize your voice to talk about things that you have no idea for, when you utilize your voice and your platform to put false narratives about what happened in the, the murder of George Floyd, when you utilize your platform to talk about policies and things that we're talking about that you don't know about, when you utilize your platform to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and not, and not separate it from even the Black Lives Matter organization, and even either one of them you don't know anything about, you've got your talking points from white supremacist media, when you start bringing that white supremacist media into this culture, then you become an enemy of what it is that I represent. So for anybody that thinks that I'm going to support Kanye West, who has been done nothing but shit on black people for the last five to six years, because he says something that you think is important at this time, he is not the person, the I tell people all the time, the messenger is just as, point, as important as the message for me. You know, I'll stand by other people who have a message that I believe in, but Kanye West's message is only is only being put out now because his emotional tirade, because the, the same people that he talking about taking advantage of him doing business, he been doing business with for the last 10 years. When Sway sat down and said, Kanye, you don't have to do business with him, he told me he didn't have the answers. You ain't got the answers, man. You ain't got the answers. When people told him, yo, you probably, maybe you shouldn't want, get, have babies with Kim Kardashian, he separated himself. Then when it didn't work, these white people are attacking the black man. But you want to utilize that and say, oh, my kids have Kim Kardashian's face. All of these things, I, I can't be, I cannot be involved 
in someone's personal issues. He Kanye has his issues have never been about black people. Kanye amassed a wealth of over a billion dollars and talked about it every time and said how he was the richest black man and didn't use any of that wealth to change the conditions of black people, to change the conditions of the people that he said. All of these things he talked about in the music industry, in, in the film industry, all these things, Kanye West did not invest his money in changing those things. He was he worried about how it was going to affect him, his personal pockets. Adidas didn't give him his personal deal, so now black people are supposed to support Kanye because he's black again. And I, for one, don't buy that. And I'm not mad at anybody else who wants to support him. If you believe that what he's doing is just, then you support him. But don't ask me to support somebody who I morally disagree with on 90% of the things that he talks about. Well, thank you so much, Mice, for delivering that passionate message. And again, I want to be clear. I have invited those that challenged my son's message. Whenever you're ready to get into it, you know where to find me. All right, let's move on to the headlines beyond our borders as we go black all over the world. First stop, Haiti. Still in shambles, calling on President Biden regarding the current state of affairs under the Prime Minister, Ariel Henry. Despite the call for help, many are protesting against the request as the hashtag HandsOffHaiti spreads across social media. Tens of thousands of people from Haiti have been protesting against the U.S.-installed regime of Ariel Henry. Now the puppet leader is calling for foreign military intervention to crush the protests. While the gangs continue to take over, food shortages and cholera spread across the country. A surge of migrants are expected to make their way as Biden considers making Guantanamo Bay a lily pad country for them to safely reside. I could burst into tears right now. I feel like we can never get a break. If it's not natural disasters, it's the politics, it's the lack of leadership, it's the lack of so many things, basic things that we take for granted here. Um, it breaks my heart, and I don't know what the solution is, but I know there needs to be a clearing out of the old and bring in the new. Next stop, we head to Kenya. We are sending a signal to the world of our commitment to perform our obligations by contributing to the achievement and maintenance of peace and stability in our region. Just months into William Ruto's presidency, he is sending 900 of his troops to fight the violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo against the rebel groups. Reports of killings and burnings have taken over including a nun who was burned alive by one of the groups. We have one country who support, support them, is Rwanda. So now we are protesting because of, uh, because of our neighbors. In the past week, thousands of men and women have protested. Some have fled for safety as M23 rebels, with support from Rwanda, have taken over their territory as tensions continue to escalate. We will continue to track those global headlines. Stay with us. Kennedy has the entertainment remix when Revolt Black News Weekly returns. If enough of us make our voices heard, I promise you, things will get better. That is President Obama 
crisscrossing the nation as we head into the all-important midterm elections. Welcome back, everyone. I'm guest host Teslin Figaro. This week, we are keeping the conversation going about hip-hop on trial and the pending legislation to protect artists' lyrics from being used against them in the court of law. Joining me to discuss both sides of the debate, candidate for Florida Attorney General Aramis Ayala, music artist and influencer Say Rex, and raptivist Mysan the General. Mysan, I'm going to ask you first. Do you think that rap artists should be mindful of how their lyrics impact the black community, whether it is violence, drugs, or political, or with all of the recent comments that we've been seeing in social media in regards to Ye's comments? I think as an artist, there should be a level of freedom to create, but also a level of responsibility. Especially as grown adult men, we know that our words have consequences, right? When I was young, and I, I came out, first rap I ever made was my song, Lefty, Gun in the Right Palm, right? And, and that was a reality of where I was from, how I carried my life, how people around me lived their life. And with that came attraction to different things. Negativity, I attracted negativity. When I realized, well, that had an impact. Later on, I was facing a trial for robbery. They tried to bring those, those lyrics into you know, the courtroom. The reality is your words have consequences, right? You have, you have freedom of speech, but you are not free from consequences. So if you're talking about act, actual acts that happened, that you know happened, and you put them into your lyrics, and those acts can be connected to those lyrics, and you think that a prosecutor is not going to use it against you, that's just not common sense. So if we want to deal in make-believe land, and we say, yo, I'm going to say what I want to say, and there's no consequences, cool. But if we're dealing in common sense and reality, we know that our words have consequences. So, Rex, you believe that there is a, a freedom of speech to be able to pretty much create and that those things should be separate from the court of law. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I feel like, as artists, we have a responsibility um, to our fans as well to be authentic. We, we report the same way that we're here, and you guys are reporting things and bringing things to the forefront. We are supposed to bring things to the forefront from our perspective and using our art form. So if we're not able to do that comfortably, then it takes away a level of authenticity from our music, and that is going to affect everything that has to do with being an artist. I don't feel like that is where music should head. You know, I think we do have a responsibility, um, but I feel like the community, as well as parents, have a responsibility to, you know, educating their kids and letting people know, like, this is also an art form, this is also entertainment. The same way, you know, we have Hollywood actors and producers, you know, they might make a movie about something that is not positive or something that, you know, would upset a crowd of people. But I feel like, you know, we don't hear conversations about things like that being brought into courtrooms or people being upset about things like that as much as you do when an artist says something a little bit outrageous. Right. Attorney uh, Ayala, talk to us about the slippery slope. Uh, it, it is great to think that parents will parent uh, and that there is a responsibility that the community has to raise children. The reality is that doesn't always work that way. So what does it look like from a legal perspective on that slippery slope? How do we find balance between First Amendment rights, having the freedom to create, and what that looks like, and particularly for black men, who are most of the artists uh, that I would assume who would be attacked uh, with these types of 
uh, uh, lyrics used against them in court. What does that look like from a legal standpoint? It is so easy to think that there's one answer to this. And the issue is it brings in so many pieces, the art form of it, the freedom form of it, and then you have the overseer, the law, the law part of it. You know, I served as the elected state attorney in, here in Orlando, Florida uh, for four years. And the job of the attorney is to, the state attorney is to ensure that we have evidence. So when you're talking about First Amendment rights, we also have to be mindful of Fifth Amendment right, right against self-incrimination, which we, you know, is, is an issue. We also have to be conscious of the Fourth, 14th Amendment equal protection, because the sad part about it is we can cry about it, we can complain about it, but it's not being equally um, distributed. They're not looking at art forms, they're not looking at how it impacts others, and whether or not is an injustice doesn't change anything if a person is convicted. So there has to be the self-consciousness of it. There has to be the acknowledgement that there may be um, constitutional rights violated, but we see that's what's happening to our democracy now. It's bit by bit destruction of our constitutional rights while people's lives are, are hanging there in the balance. So it's important for us to um, be responsible and to recognize that there are people watching and will use it against you. How do the activists, such as my son, that really wants to continue the conversation on being social responsible, how do they find themselves, and even with Say Rex, how do they find themselves in this conversation to actually help develop the policies to protect uh, black men and women who, quite frankly, just do not receive equal justice? How do we find that balance? It is important to have freedom in your art expression. That is necessary. That, that is our fundamental right to free speech. The accountability portion, recognizing that there are eyes on us, that they want to impact communities differently. So my advice is, number one, if you are not engaging in criminal activity, then whatever your free expression will be, they have to have additional evidence. Because if you are rapping about something that um, you know could be perceived as violence and and and, and, and criminal activity, but you're not engaging in it, then there's, there's going to be little evidence to support a crime, and they're just going to be frustrated. However, if you know that you have been engaging in conduct or close riding that line, I would be very careful because your right to Fifth Amendment, right against not testifying yourself, only qualifies if there's a governmental actor like police or prosecutors asking you. If you just spontaneously state something like in your lyrics, you are not protected and you can't claim that right. So the, the, the the first step is stay away from it. And if you are away from it, stay away from talking about it because you're incriminating yourself. Thank you so much for that much needed conversation. I encourage everyone to dig into this more. There is a role for everyone. Yes, freedom of speech is important, but also accountability and realizing the accountability that actually happens in the courtroom that we just simply uh, do not have the power to control. I want to encourage the voters out there who are watching this to pay attention. Right now, over 30 state attorney races are on the ballot right now. These are the folks who are in charge of deciding who actually goes to jail, who's charged, and what that accountability looks like. Aramis, Rex, and my son, thank you. All right, let's turn things over to Kennedy Rue, who has our entertainment fix. What's going on, Kennedy? Hey, Tez. We got the Black Panther cast speaking in forever terms. That kicks off the entertainment remix. Black Panther Wakanda Forever's worldwide blitz started with a special screening at the Smithsonian in DC. Then Revolt Black News welcomed the Wakanda delegation to their New York City premiere. 
Lupita Nyong'o in Dolce & Gabbana paid homage to her character as she takes in the black joy the Panther films radiate. It's uh, humbling, it's um, pride-inducing, it's overwhelming at times, um, but it's meaningful. Come on, we've been waiting for Wakanda for a long time. Black Panther superfan Queen Latifah has been waiting a long time to see the Wakanda legacy continue. It's had an impact from, you know, just seeing us on screen in of the kind of fantasy movies that we grew up enjoying, where we didn't quite see ourselves so much. But besides all that, it was a huge smash hit. This is no fluke, this is what we do. So let us keep doing what we do and you'll see more things like this happen. You know, it was very somber. So the first movie was marked by so much excitement. And the second movie, it was a lot more serious tone. It was grief, it was grieving. We made something a lot more serious. The loss was devastating. Uh, of course, filming the sequel was something that, you know, Brian was very clear about that he felt that's what Chadwick would have wanted. We joined the movie's Worldwide Press Day. That's where Akila found out between takes, the cast turned that deep sadness into a Wakanda celebration. So, Letitia, I hear that you, Lapita, and Denai had rap battles during the production of the first Black Panther. Did you have similar rap battles in the sequel? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, we didn't have as many rap battles or um, rap uh, moments in, in this movie, but we did dance a lot. I want to thank you for your faithful support in what was a cultural moment of impact and beauty and change. We saw ourselves in ways that we could have never imagined. We saw ourselves for the first time beautiful, glorious, wonderful, because that's exactly who we are. And Wakanda Mania continued in Los Angeles as the Panther cast was honored with the Culture Award at the Ebony Power 100 Gala. Superstar Issa Rae took home the Knights People's Choice Award. Ebony Magazine had an impact on... Yes, sir, yes, sir. It's your boy Spitty here from DGB, aka Dirty Glove Bastards, off the Porch Podcast. Now, if you're a fan of artist interviews, then make sure to check out and subscribe to Off the Porch, a show that interviews everybody from the dopest up-and-coming artists, your favorite OGs and legends, street comedians, directors, and other influential people from the culture. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. I mean, like no other, because I got to see me. Ebony's empowerment played a huge role in the life of the gorgeous and talented actress, Garcelle Bouvet. So whether we were light-skinned or dark-skinned, straight hair, kinky hair, all of it was validated, and we never saw that before. And so they really let down the gauntlet for us. Take a swing at me, go. You have a chip on your shoulder. It's got nothing to do with no, me. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star acknowledges since joining the popular reality show three years ago, she's definitely shaken things up over at Bravo. <laughs> Just my presence. <laughs> Just my presence has shaken things up. Um, I think people were used to a certain kind of way, and me being a part of the franchise, a part of this group, 
made them feel a certain way because sometimes they couldn't say the things that they wanted to say or they said it and didn't realize it was a bad thing. So uh, we're shaking it up. Atlanta Housewives co-star Candy Burris also remembers fondly Ebony's impact. She's now a 2022 Ebony Power 100 honoree. What goes through my mind really is like growing up as a kid and seeing the magazine in our house and always being excited to see who's going to be on the cover. And this is a wow moment to be able to be recognized by Ebony in this way. Director Spike Lee received Ebony's Icon Award. The legendary filmmaker sent a clear message to anyone thinking of killing the dreams of our next generation of artists. When you're young, you might want to take paths especially in the arts and get discouragement from parents and mentors because they don't see how you can make a living doing that. I've said this many times, parents have killed a lot of dreams of their children. I said parents have killed a lot of their children's dreams. You cannot buy Finding a way where you cannot see And finally, Thames and J.I.D. have been added to the American Music Awards performers lineup hosted by Wayne Brady November 20th on ABC. And shout out to Salt and Peppa. They'll get their star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame this weekend. Stay with us for more Revolt Black News Weekly after the break. Welcome back. This week we turn to the health of the culture and what it means to be black and vegan. Our Stand Up For series focusing on one chef who's changing lives one dish at a time. My name is Allende Howell. I'm a lifelong vegan. I was born into it. My parents uh, started off, my mom tells me that uh, when she was pregnant with me, uh, she lost her father from complications to essentially a bad diet, which led to uh, him passing away before I was born. And she decided she wanted to break the, the cycle. And my mom started a, a sandwich company when I was about 13, and that would help her deliver the sandwiches and make the sandwiches along with my mother, two siblings. I just saw that there could be a need for a place, like a cafe or something, a place where people can, you know, can come get it. I said that I had uh, the idea and she was like, okay, well, go ahead and do it. I was like, wait, what? You know, and it was it was interesting because she empowered me to, to become an entrepreneur. The mac and yeast is uh, a recipe that I've, I've sort of carried with me ever since then. My father introduced it. He would talk about how his uh, grandma Mary used to make a baked uh, mac and cheese uh, on Sundays. And he wanted to recreate that vegan. And so he kind of gave me the, the bones of what he had. Hey, I was making it at least two or three times a, uh, a week as it got more popular, you know, twice a day. In 2018, Whole Foods was looking for a vegan mac and cheese. I presented them and they're like, yeah, we love it. We want to put this on our hot bar. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. And they wanted like, I don't know, three or 4,000 pounds a week or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I had no idea how to do that, but I was like, I'll, I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> Being vegan is about eating and understanding what you put in your, in, your, in your mouth. I can't really speak on whether or not it's safe for people or not safe for people to be 100% vegan. I do know that I've had people with cancer seek me out and you know, people said like, oh, you helped save my life. 
when black people and people of color see more of themselves and taste more of themselves within that world, it will be uh, more accessible for us. I am doing my part. So if you see uh, me post that I have some mac and cheese in your town at a Costco or at a Whole Foods, go and buy it because money talks. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Stay with us. There's more Revolt Black News Weekly when we return. Welcome back. Before we get out of here, we wanted to shine the spotlight on a woman who is all about the business of beauty and paying it forward. Sakia Donaldson is the founder of Science Beauty STEM and Exposure, and what she's doing to help young black girls understand the beauty industry is what makes her our revolutionary of the week. Break out those lab coats because science is in session at the Science of Beauty STEM camp, where STEM meets everything beauty and fashion. I wanted to introduce them to careers that they can have for a long time and make a lot of money because working in the beauty and fashion industry is a, it's a short-lived career, especially being on the front side. So when I saw the trajectory that was possible with these careers, it was very important for me to develop a curriculum to expose our young girls to them. And when Sakia noticed a demand for more young black girls in the STEM space, she knew she had to do something to help bridge the gap. We're super underrepresented. So it was just very important for me to try to bring something fun because science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, they're such serious, you know, serious careers and serious lanes. So I wanted to bring something fun, something that the girls enjoy, something that every woman uses all the time. We're always using beauty products. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. So why not, instead of just being consumers, be creators and disruptors in that space? The week-long summer camp features a robust curriculum strategically designed to expose black girls aged 10 to 17 to the world of science and beauty. So every day we focused on a different um, product. We focused on hair, skin, body, makeup. So every day a guest speaker would come in from that field and then the second half of the day they would do a demo. So they would make on hair day they made hair oils. On makeup day they made lip glosses. On on body day they made body butters. So every day um, there was a detailed focus on a specific um, product from, from the beauty industry. Add in another variable, business. Mix it all together and you'll get the perfect result. One of the students actually brought me a business proposal for her starting her, her beauty business with all the things that she had learned from the duration of the camp. So we um, gave her seed money to start her beauty business. Inspiring young women in more than just one way, the veteran wardrobe stylist is just getting started. Our goal is to, you know, extend the camp. I've been getting inquiries from other other places, Boston, Baltimore, Houston, people inquiring about um, the camp. One of my sponsors, Neiman Marcus of Tampa, which was, they were so amazing. I've been in um, talks with them about developing the science of fashion camp, where we talk about how technology and engineering and sustainable fabrics and things like that um, work in the fashion industry. So this was just really kind of like a test to see 
how STEM works in different areas. And I just believe like we can do almost anything because those elements exist in almost every area of life. Keeping it sweet and simple, Sakia's message to the next generation is crystal clear. So my message would be just what I'm wearing on my teeth, on my shirt, bet on yourself. That's the message I can just, short and simple, just bet on yourself, believe in yourself, and it, it will happen. I am a walking, talking testament of that. That does it for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our YouTube channel, and on our Revolt Black News podcast. Till next time, peace. everybody i'm your host dr shonda and chanel and we're here from the double dose podcast we are one set of twins with two different perspectives we both have faced many challenges in career life and relationships and we are transparent about how we've relied on our faith to overcome them if you want to hear us discuss current events pop culture and relationships and everything else in between tune tune in to the the double dose podcast and it's brought to you exclusively by the revolt podcast network anchored in hip-hop powered by by creators creators. (laughs)